Hey, bootstrappers. I'm Alex Hillman, Amy Hoy's partner in the 30 by 500 system for bootstrapping product businesses. And today, I've got something really great for you. In today's conversation, I'm going to be joined by one of our 2014 bootcamp alumni named Scott Herf, who has now launched two products with his collaborator, Chris Slowick. One of my favorite parts about this interview is having Scott describe his so-called bumbled first launch. Um, we say bumbled uh, because he didn't really execute on all the things that he knew he could have, but he still grossed five figures in the first week with a totally imperfect launch. Then, about a month ago, Scott launched his second product. He fixed up some of those launch mistakes, again, sort of air quotes mistakes, and tripled his launch revenue with the second product. So Scott's having a really great year so far. Uh, You'll have to listen in to find out what simple things he did to improve the second time and what he's going to improve with the next launch that he does. Now, it's not all about business for Scott, though, because through these products, Scott's really achieving his goal of freedom, and you'll have to listen in to find out exactly what that means from him. And with that... Let's talk to Scott. Thanks for uh, taking some time out of your uh, out of your Sunday afternoon, Scott. Totally, totally. Anything for you, Alex. So, um, so for those of you who you and I have gotten to spend a good amount of time in, in mostly a chat room together. This is the <laughs> first time face to face for us. Um, but uh, when you when you meet new folks at you know parties, whether it's a professional thing or a personal thing, how do you, how do you introduce yourself? Who is Scott Herf? Uh, that's funny. Most of the time it's, um, you know, what are you working on these days? And, um, so lately that's been shifting to, um, teaching designers the latest tools. And it used to be, oh, I'm, I work on apps cause everyone gets apps and that's, you know, my, my day job. But, um, yeah, I've, after 30 by 500, I realized that teaching people, educating people, helping them level up their skills, um, and figure out a way to do that sustainably um, is something I really like. So was that was the, that what motivated you to get into product stuff? Had you done product stuff before thirty by five hundred? Um, I'd always thought about it. I'd done. I'd been on the um, kind of the, the the side gig contractor wheel. Gotcha. And um, you know, it's if if you get the right job, it can be really fun. But it's it's the treadmill. Sure. It's a different kind of tre- everything's a treadmill, but it's a different kind of treadmill, right? <laughs> sure. So, was there a particular that you were trying to get away from that treadmill into something mm-hmm. particular? What was what was attractive about products to you? What did you what was drive? What was made you want to head in that direction? So, I um, I decided to. The, it's a long journey, but the first part of the journey was I figured I'd write an ebook, and um, long story short, I sold a, a couple pre-orders of this ebook. And, um, it was like the, it was like an adrenaline rush, you know, for, I had like three sales made 150 bucks or something, but just sitting there and looking at my email, like you made $49 on one sale. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even do anything. That's a feeling that I think, uh, when, when people have for the first time, you can't, you can't really describe that to someone who's never had it before. You know, right. a stranger on the internet gave me money that I didn't specifically ask them before you know, four. That's exactly. a, it's a pretty wild thing. And you don't even know this person. Like it's not even, you know, a coworker or your mom or something. So, <laughs> um, which is, you know, which has happened. <laughs> Thanks mom. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that, she's like, yeah, that's your birthday present by the way. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, like, uh, um, so, where so was you got I? this product up for sale. Right. You sold a couple of copies. What, what was the product that you were trying to sell? 
Uh, it was a product about how to make products, ironically. Okay. Specifically, so was, specifically, because you're a, d- a designer. That's mm-hmm. your that's your background. So yeah, specifically I, I, from a design perspective, I come from a product design, uh, uh, the product design world, and and I've been asked, how does your team develop products so quickly? Um, we're mostly in the the mm-hmm. consumer space, so I figured, well, you might as well just ask a bunch of people in the same space how they do it and write a book about it. You know the the biggest understatement ever of how hard that project has, has become. But um, I realized later on that there was so much hunger in the design world for really specific things. And, um, you know, the, the idea of process, like how designers work played into that. So I kind of stumbled upon this overarching theme. Um, and so we started out, um, do you want me to go into the, the products? The, um, the we we'll get to, we can get to the the newer products in just a minute. I'm actually curious of how like what was drawing you into products. So you heard that from people were interested in process, and so you thought, yeah, well, I can share a bit of our process and reach out to the other folks in the industry, and like you said, sort of understatement of the year. We'll just put it together into a product, <laughs> right? Um, so, and actually, I grabbed a quote from uh, from one of the threads uh, during the exercise program. Uh, and I think it was after you launched the, your first post 30 by 500 product. Mm-hmm. And you said, uh, after this, I realized that the book project, which is the one you were just talking about, um, that you came into 30 by 500 with was so expansive and mushy is the word you used, uh, that I dreaded m- working on it. And as a result, never made progress. Tell me a little bit about that. Where, where, where was that coming from? Um, so I went into it just thinking that I, I, oh, I, my audience is every designer ever who wanted to make something or anyone who ever worried or wondered about the whole process of making something. And um, I kind of just, I thought if I could get 30, like I, I have like 30 interviews, over 30 hours of interviews, and I just fell into this groove of if I just get two more people or five more people, this project would become more defined and, and more clear about what it should become. Um, again, like the biggest mistake ever. So instead it was getting spread out further and it was yeah. becoming less cohesive and, and what, and you said that was making it sort of, you were demotivated to even work on it. What was it like to sit down and look at a project and you're like, I'm not even sure. Like what was, what, what was in front of you that you were going, I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to be working on. Yeah. I mean, I, I had, I had this outline that kept changing and it's because there was no, I realized that getting the content first and, and trying to fit that into, um, you know, a, a book that'll write itself later is, is it's going to change every day. Right. And right, I, right. I hadn't, I hadn't done any research into, um, you know, is is there a specific slice of the world of designers that I could talk to? Gotcha. Well, and so that's a good segue into the sort of my next question, which was, what did you change about your approach that helped you get the first product out? So the first product that you actually shipped, because uh, that book is, is, as far as I know, still not totally complete. Um, Correct. So, so the first product that you shipped and people could pay for it and get the whole thing, download it, ready to rock and roll. Um, before we even talk about what that product is, what about your approach changed. Um, and obviously 3500 was in the middle and there's a bunch of parts to the class, but I'm curious about what, what in particular about how you're approaching things did you recognize changed from before to, uh, to 
coming up with a, with a new product? Yeah, so I would say I, be, I became more skeptical. Um, I, if you compare my, my current and former uh, selves, if I could pull an X-Men and do the Days of Future Past. <laughs> um, yeah, without breaking the space-time continuum. <laughs> exactly, you can't do that. Um, you know, the, the old me would love to start stuff. And, you know, it's exhilarating. It's, it's, a, it's hopeful, it's fresh, it's, you know, you got momentum. Right. And, but I would do that without asking the hard questions because they weren't fun. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they took time away from the fun stuff. And I realized that, and I, you know, I got friends of mine too who are like, man, we should just, we should just do this. We should just start this like t-shirt company or something. Right. And like, okay, let's really, you know, <laughs> it was, this isn't college anymore. Right. But, um, so I started, I started asking like, okay, is anyone is anyone talking about this? Is anyone thinking deeply about this? Are they are they commiserating with anyone? And and are they doing it in places that aren't the obvious ones? Gotcha. So not so just is, relying on this is you tuning you. into you tuning into an audience, even asking is there an audience there in the first yeah. place? Um, that's that's interesting. And so with that with that sort of realization, you chose an audience for your first product. Which, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember right, you—it's not just you working on this product either, right? Correct. Um, I also had made the mistake of—I uh, think this was kind of part of the, the book process—was just biting off more I could chew on my own and thinking that I could Superman through it, and you know, I just figure out everything, right? Right. Um, so I, I teamed up with a guy that I, I knew I worked well with. Uh, his name's Chris Sloak, one of the most talented guys I know in terms of just interactions and visual design and just learning things really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we worked on it. We actually met um, through a couple projects of mine. I, I did at a, uh, the startup I work for every day um, as a con, he was our contractor. And so um, I say just on the general um, level of doing these sorts of projects with, with partners, um, it can be, very, very, very beneficial, and I've actually done two projects with him uh, today. So, so you said it was it was initially a bit of like making sure you didn't bite off more than you could chew than you could handle on your own. Did yeah. you find you guys? How do you guys actually work together? Are you guys doing complementary things? Are you bringing something to the table that that Chris is less comfortable or likes to do less? Um, is there something that Chris is doing that leaves you with more time to focus on? How are you guys actually collaborating? That's really interesting. Yeah, so that's a it's a great question. So I'd say most of the time we're doing things that are that are complementary, and so um, our so our projects will look something like this, where we both sort of noted something. Um, hey, hey, I saw like I've noticed more people talking about prototyping, or there's this new uh, framework out from Facebook, and people are really into it, right. or whatever, and so. So sort of like two sets of eyes are better than one in terms of being able to uh, notice the, right. the the patterns in in your audience. Exactly, and then using the skills from from thirty five thirty by five hundred and safariing and all that, I'll I'll dive deep and see if there's something there, or we'll kind of know there's something there, but where is it on those plane on that plane? Cool. cool. Um, so you'll you'll actually go in and do a little bit more of the deeper dive, bring back some of the data from Safari, and then you guys you guys sit down and look at that together? 
Definitely. That's awesome. So, so I'll, I'll say, you know, I, Chris has done his research. I've done my research. Um, and I'll say, you know, for example, uh, in the world of course composer, uh, people want to use this to make mobile apps and they want to use it to show engineers, um, you know, how their design should come to life. Sure. Um, that's a lot better than saying designers just want to learn course composer. Right, right, right. Way more specific. You got an idea of what's, what's in the way, what are they yep. trying to accomplish? Not just, they want to use the tool. Great. But why, what, and, and more importantly, why, why are they not able to? So that was the first product that you guys built together, right? It was a course composer, yep. um, design course. It was, a, it was like a video course, right? Yeah, it was a video course showing, um, targeted specifically towards designers who wanted to learn um, how to bring their designs to life, mostly in the context of mobile, um, to show their team and engineers what something should do. Um, there's a saying in the design world, you know, you've, you've got 60 frames per second um, and you're, you're showing a transition and most designers only design for one frame out of 60. So how do you design for 60 of them? Oh, that's awesome. So that was that was kind that's of our a, a core principle that you guys are teaching in in that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So uh, and that went reasonably well when you launched, right? Yeah, um, it kind of just came out of nowhere. I, I luckily had an email list of I think about fifteen hundred people at the time. Where and uh, that was that from the book before thirty by five hundred? Was that from doing e bombs post thirty by five hundred? Both? Where where, a, where did yeah, that list actually question. come from? I had a, a sort of a poultry list before 30 by 500. It was about 200 people. Okay. Um, and that, that's not nothing to sneeze at. I mean, no. in some cases, that's huge. Totally. You know? um, but I, through e-bombs, I, I, what's the math on that? Sextupled it or something? Yeah. Uh, to, <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, to 12, 1,500 people. And, um, how many, Luckily, how many e-bombs went into growing the list by, by that much? I, I've kind of gotten into this pattern of, of doing one every three or four weeks. Okay. And so it wasn't a huge amount. It was, but your think, e-bombs tend to be pretty substantial. The ones that you've, that I've seen you post the alumni list, these are not, you know, little one-off how to's they, they tend to be big and they're really well designed. You've got some visual element to it. Um, so you're putting some work into really making your e-bombs do the work for you. Yeah, unfortunately, they take a long time. <laughs> but they, I mean, you say unfortunately, but they they pay off over the long term, right? True. So it's not just that initial burst of emails. Um, you know, you're continuing to get traffic from those e bombs, uh, both in terms of new readers and, and new subscribers as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you've grown the list to about fifteen hundred people or so pre-launch of this this Quartz Composer uh, course that you and Chris put together, and you launched specifically to that list. Yep, just to that list. Um, but there was no buildup. It was more just like, here's a new e-bomb. By the way, we launched this thing. Gotcha. Do you wanna? Do you wanna buy it? <laughs> okay. So, uh, and and as you've said yourself, not necessarily the strongest uh, launch right. process. You didn't take it. You know all the strategies. Um, but it it um, uh, your it, what you might qualify as a failure. A lot of people look at and go. Holy shit, Scott! That's pretty amazing. So, yeah. how did you? How did that first product uh, launch go in terms of sales? How many? How many units? How many? How many dollars? What did you guys do? So we sold it um, at uh, around 60, 60 bucks a, a unit, and we did in the first week um, about ten k. So for a bumbled launch, 
you, yeah. you poor soul, you guys rolling around <laughs> in your piles of cash. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so, exactly. So not so bad. True. Not so bad. Was that, did you guys have a goal going into it? You're like, we were hope we make up to this much or did you have a number going in? My number was, uh, was 5k total. Right. So you doubled it. Yeah. And that was launch weekend and that you guys launched that in this, it was like spring. It was like March or April. Is that right? Yeah, it was, um, I think a month and a half after, after the, the, after the, the exercise the, program ended. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, and that's, so is, have you continued to, to market that course as well? Does it continue to do well post the initial 10 grand? Yeah. So lifetime to date, it's, uh, it just passed 24 K. That's great. Um, and that's, we've actually raised the price. You know, we did a final push for, you know, discount ending and, and, you know, all that good stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's still selling and it still remains, um, Luckily, I think the the most concentrated, uh, you know, most targeted, most direct um, gathering of knowledge about course composer and design out there right now. That's great. And what kind of um, feedback do you get from from customers on that product? Um, you know, people most most of the time they write in. They say, first of all, thank you so much for putting this together, um, which is still a crazy thing to hear. You know, as yeah. people think, I don't even know who this person is, which is really great. Um, and second, you know, it's examples of them putting it to use in their day-to-day jobs. Oh, that's really cool. Really, really yeah. cool. So you're actually getting to see what people are, are doing. So you're not just, people aren't just saying this was really nice to watch. Like I learned something. This was really helpful right. and I've applied it. That's the best. Yeah. One, one guy wrote in and, and showed a, a composition he made for his, uh, for some clients of his and he said they were blown away. That's so cool. Yeah. You know, that's pretty cool. It's fun. It's that's, I mean, I'm this conversation with you, you know, ultimately your win is your win, but there's no denying the fact that, you know, me and Amy get that hit of that little bit of a hit of a high. Um, when, when we hear about a student who's just totally, totally, uh, kicking ass and, and oh, having well, a great time doing it. Well, we want to, you know, do you guys proud, right? That's so. right. <laughs> cool. So first product, uh, was it $10,000 launch 20, so 24 grand over, uh, eight months or so. Yeah. So yeah, not too terrible. And, um, you noticing any correlation to ongoing e-bombs and sales and, and things like that? Oh yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll continue, um, the e-bombs and I'll mention at the, you know, the bottom PS, you know, people have gotten results from this course. Uh, here's some examples if you want to, you know, click and check it out. And, and, you know, people are still, still taking part in that. It's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, so not content with one product out, you and Chris came back for product number two. Um, started with a, a new audience, same audience. How did you decide, you know, where, where, where did this new product come from? Um, I'd say there are a, a few inputs. So the first was feedback from our list, uh, and watching. Um, so we, we really love the designer news community. They're, they're really great. They give great feedback. They're very supportive. Cool. Um, and both, at the same time, we noticed some rumblings of um, right after uh, Xcode 6 was announced, people were going nuts about Swift, the new Apple programming language. Um, they're also kind of getting frustrated with um, prototyping tools. 
Yeah. And they're thinking, you know, why am I spending so much time learning this chords composer tool? Um, basically, you know, in, insider baseball stuff, Facebook released this, um, addition to course composer because apple has has not kept up with it over the years so why should i rely on this deprecated product that had to be brought to life by someone else when i could just go directly into the tool exactly and um that that meme sort of kept getting steam and a lot of people were were going back to interviews that johnny i've had back in 2010 and there's this quote it's something to the effect of um a designer should know um, the materials he's designing with, and you know this. Of course, as Johnny, I've said, I got in a lot of people's heads, and they're like, oh, "This is crazy." Course composer is stupid, you know. And um, so we realized that even though there were a lot of Xcode courses out there, none had said, "Hey, you're a designer. You're not a coder. Here is what you need to know. Here's what you need to use uh, uh, to understand." Um, you know, how to build designs that actually fit the realities of how apps are made. Right, right, right. Well, and I, uh, you've got, it's actually, it's a, a if you go to your Twitter account, uh, twitter.com slash Scott Herf, and your pinned tweet from October 2nd is sort of a screenshot of the Welcome to Xcode screen mm-hmm. with the caption, you'll finally get past this screen and create something, which I think is, is speaking to exactly what you're saying. You've got this tool that should be, a door that people are able to walk through and instead people see Xcode and they go, I don't even, I don't even really know where to start here. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. Um, someone even yesterday tweeted, um, a screenshot of they're downloading Xcode from the app store. And and he goes, I have no idea what I'm doing, but it's okay. With the download <laughs> progress. And someone recommended the course, which I thought was really nice of them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you're a sort of in addition to launching a second course and sort of following on the pattern building on what you've learned before you're entering into the family of 30 by 500 alumni who are um now starting to build almost a, like a universe of products um mm-hmm. at, at bacon bizconf this year um which i hope you're able to make it uh to to next year's event yeah i'd um, love to uh it was uh who was it it was keith perheck i believe was talking about um, people building sort of a universe of products and how those products, uh, you know, in some cases lead to each other, in some cases add to one another and things like that. Um, but in terms of process, it can also mean that you're able to take things from one product, what you learned building one product and put them into the second. And I'm especially interested in what you learned building, launching, selling the, the course composer course, to that that you used in creating the second one what what went into you mentioned there's a bunch of inputs but specifically the stuff that came from uh from that first product that helped you make the second product even more successful yeah the the first thing that comes to mind is is format people our customers really really love the videos and that's something that we we didn't really understand would be so popular at first. We invested a ton of time into actually writing out everything mm-hmm. um, because we thought that most people would learn that way. But it was actually the opposite. And um, so we, we, I think we tripled the amount of videos. The problem is, though, that our, our, uh, our format for Course Composer wouldn't work. Um, and this is getting logistical um, 
but uh, we we had we basically were offering a Gumroad download that was like five gigabytes uh-huh. with um, <laughs> with all the, like all the high res videos and stuff like that. Yeah, and of course, you know, uh, I don't know if you're using Firefox or Chrome, so I had to include the the OGG files, and it was just crazy. Gotcha. Um, so we said, let's take uh, a leap of faith and and team up with guys, um, the guys at Fedora, which help you create custom online schools. Okay. And it was one of the the best things I think we've done. It's it's we. Have, so what did that actually let? You, what did they actually? Uh, well, actually, I have, t- I have t- a couple of questions. One, did yeah. you approach them? Did they approach you? How did that? How did that start to happen? I noticed that um, uh, a few. Com- complimentary online schools had launched that had very specific audiences like the ones we wanted to to target as well mm-hmm. and so i i signed up for an account and this was amazing within 10 minutes the ceo emailed me it was like scott i love your stuff we saw a quartz launch we'd love to have you I'm that's like, awesome well that's cool um so it, it's really helped us to not even worry about all the logistics of video transcoding and all that, and we can just throw videos up whenever we want to, you know, increase the value of the course. And so, what is that? What does that experience end up actually looking like? Instead of a download, how how do people get the course now? Um, it's it's all online, so you sign in with your own account. You can use it on your phone, your tablet, your PC, whatever. Cool. You can download videos if you want, and um, it's it's just. It was an exercise, and again, like letting go of everything, you know, and because I'm very particular about how our um, our products look and feel, and it's a design crowd, so you know it can't look stock, right? Um, and we and we did put a lot of time into customizing the experience, but at the on the flip side, like you know, I I'm, I'm not transcoding my own videos anymore. I'm focusing on the things that add value to the business and. Um, whether that's marketing or doing more Safari research or, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, so uh, that's, that was one. That's really, really one. great. And, and it sounds like, would you think you would potentially go back and port the, the Quartz Composer course over to that as well? It's funny you mentioned that. That's, uh, that's my homework for this week. Nice. Cool. So this yeah. has been a really positive move for you guys then. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, one of the big things and the thing that I think I was most excited to talk to you about uh, when when I saw your email about the launch of this, this second course um, was how your launch strategy changed. But before we get into that, um, second product launch, sales mm-hmm. figures, dollars, what can you share about that? Did you, uh, you know meet exceed uh the the first time uh, the first launch is this a better launch for you and then we can talk about what changed yeah this this one blew us away um <clears throat> by i think i think it was two or three days in we had exceeded the lifetime sales of the quartz course wow that's amazing yeah it it was I I just it was like I was living in a in a in a dream or something. <laughs> no. So that's so that's opening weekend. Uh okay, so 3 days in you exceeded lifetime and you told me lifetime was 24 grand on the courts course. So on day 3 of your launch week, if we we'll call it that, um you're you're past 24 grand. What so what was the number you guys hit? Uh we passed 30 um, on our way to, I think it ended up being 34, 34k on launch weekend. Yeah. So not so bad, not so bad, <laughs> not so bad. Um, 
and again, building on top of a previously what you considered a not the best executed launch in the world, you still made ten grand. Executed right. a little bit better, more than tripled it. Not so bad. So, so what bad. did you? So what did you change? Uh, what did you change about the second launch that made it that much more successful? So <clears throat> I did two things. Um, the first was I tried to do a better job of segmenting the list in a way that I knew exactly um, where the people were that wanted this course. Sure. So you were and, primarily selling to that that same list. That list had, had I'm assuming, grown. Um, where where was that list growing from? Um, so the, the 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 primary list I had. So at Quartz launch it was you know about fourteen fifteen hundred. I grew it to um, I think about a little over four thousand by the time that I announced Xcode. Gotcha. And so, so that's that was it, that's in like six months or so. Yeah. Cool. Um, and that was an e-bomb every three to four weeks. Great. And um, so the next phase was uh, we announced the pre-sale, or not really pre-sale, but like a pre-announcement of, hey, we'll be out October 2nd. It was September 14th or maybe earlier or so. So two to three weeks ahead of your official launch. Yeah. Got it. And we offered a pretty nice discount for signing up early. And so that list grew, that, that segmented list grew to about a thousand people. Great. And that's people um, specifically sign up, signing up to get more information about the new course coming out mm-hmm. and uh, a discount. Yep. Got it. Okay. So that's a new, that's a totally new people, world of people entering into your, your little uh, universe now. Right. Cause I, I knew there were, and this was sort of, a bet. I wanted to see how this would go. Like I knew there were people who just wanted to, to do the transaction and not worry about the, the song and dance. And I also wanted to get it out there that this was coming out and build anticipation. Um, so it was a little bit of, um, what's the word? Um, a balance with, so I, you know, my, my main list of people who got the e-bombs and then, you know, a very transactional list over here. So sure. um, what I did was I, I made sure that the main list had the E-bombs still coming. So it wasn't like silence and then what I did last time. Like, oh, we're out, right? By the way, yeah, here we go. Yeah. So I, I really wanted to avoid that. So I, I kept the list pretty warm with um, the regular scheduled programming. <clears throat> then what I did was I... Um, I emailed everyone at once and said, this is coming just so you know, um, it's, here's the date it's going to happen. Um, and I think I invited, um, members of the e-bomb list to sign up for the other one. Gotcha. Um, because my goal was with, with the, um, the, the pre announcement, I'm just, I was going to like, like you wanted this, you're going to, you're going to get every thing about it, you know? So you, you wanted to put your focus, uh, your, your anticipation building on, on the people who specifically were there for that product. Yep. Got exactly. It. Got it. Got it. Got it. So that was the, that was the impetus for your, your segmentation there. Exactly. Um, and so, <clears throat> um, was there a reason, was there a specific reason that you didn't want to 
build the anticipation for for the rest of the folks that didn't move over? Um, so, so I did, I, I did it, but in, in a less aggressive way. Gotcha. Um, and so what I would do was, um, the two days before I, I announced to everyone, like this is coming, um, the day of, I said, it's out, you know, it's, you have a discount until Sunday or whatever. Gotcha. Um, so then I took everyone on the, uh, the pre-announced list and, um, I filtered out people who didn't click and I just hit them every day until the, the discount was up. Gotcha. And that like, I know some people were like, why would you end a sale on Sunday? You know, cause it's, people are hanging out barbecuing. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but that was actually our, our biggest day of the weekend. There you go. So again, perfection not necessary in order to uh, to achieve some pretty excellent results. Yeah. So yeah. so you've got this this you know you're you're starting to experiment with some segmentation and figuring out what parts of the list are going to respond. You've got some anticipation. What so the anticipation? Uh, I heard you say you know there was like a couple of days in advance and then a day in advance and then a, it's ready and then reminders of the discount. Um, were you sending anything other than the reminders that it's coming, it's coming, it's coming? What, what did those emails actually look like? So um, I'll start with the, the, the first one. So I would explain – so the, the announcement that is coming was like, hey, we've been working on this um, and I used a lot of – well, all of it was based on Safari data. Like here's why we built the product. Here's who it's for. Um, you know, here's, um, a little taste of what you'll get. Right. And, you know, if you want to get a discount, it's going to last until end day. Gotcha. Um, and then after that, it was just very, like, very transactional reminders. Cool. Um, and just in a very friendly way though. Yeah. And we, and we make jokes. It was like, um, Hey, I'm, you're probably watching the game right now. You're in <laughs> luck, though. Check out Works on Mobile. Nice. So don't miss a discount. <laughs> That's great. Cool. Um, any particular things that you're intending to do that maybe you didn't get to this time around with launch uh, for the next one? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think overall... I, I, I'm not as consistent as I need to be on, on the e-bombs and I'm, I'm looking at when I launch and I, uh, an e-bomb and the frequency tends to go up right before I want to sell you something. Sure. And so I don't want to be that guy. Right, right, right. Um, and that's, that's something I need to, to just generally get better at. Sure. Well, and sort of in that realm the, with the e-bomb, so, so your, your e-bomb frequency, you said you've got a, a rough, regular, regularly scheduled program, as you put it, of yeah. about you know, once every three to four weeks, and then things ramp up a little bit when you're getting closer to a launch. Um, are there any specific lessons that you've learned about which e-bombs, which kinds of e-bombs tend to get you the best results um, from, from your audience in particular? Is there some, something that you're, you're tuning for? Um, I've, there's one that just won't stop churning and it's, it's really interesting to see it, um, be, it, it came out of four or five weeks ago and it's still being retweeted in these like little pockets, like it'll, it'll find it. A little flurry. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. And 
this one was more of it wasn't looking at a particular app how they did things it wasn't looking at um you know something like highly technical it was more about how you can apply a principle to your daily work okay and and so specifically it is um the the headline something to the effect of here's how the new iPhone screen sizes will mess with your app designs. Uh-huh. And it shows like, you know, how your natural thumbs rest and the arcs and, you know, why things are painful to tap. Was this the one that you were saying got picked up by Smashing Magazine as well? Or was that a oh, different that, one? That was a separate one I, I wrote specifically for them. Oh, okay. The, this one actually got re-syndicated in Quartz, Gizmodo, and um, Gamma Sutra. A wow. gaming blog. Wow, wow. So that's, Which is pretty that's cool. some serious mileage in, in terms of getting it in front of lots and lots of new people as well. Yeah. Um, the, w- did they reach out to you to say, hey, we'd love, love to republish that? And... Yeah, it was all just, you know, ha- happenstance and what, you know, whatever, whatever the divine intervention is. You know? uh, <laughs> well, I, I mean, the good news is, is you put something really useful out there that they recognize that their audience was going to want. So, um, there, I don't think there's much divine intervention here so much <laughs> as you're putting out really useful stuff. Um, and the beautiful thing that I'll just, you know, I'm sure is on your mind just to, for, for other folks that are listening, once you've got those relationships established and things respond really well in their audience, it's amazingly easy for you to reach out to them and say, Hey, I've got another thing that I think is going to be up your alley. Um, and you're, you know, it's the massive leap that people really struggle from in terms of the guest post stuff, um, where it's like, how do I reach out to these really high profile places and get something there? Um, and it reminds me of what you were saying with the, the founder of the, um, the online course tool that you use, is it Fedora? Mm-hmm. Fedora. Um, uh, where he was like, dude, I love your work. I'd love to work with you. Um, you know, a year ago, <laughs> would that have happened for you? No. Right. So what's the thing between then and now? Um, I was thinking about this actually the other day, and I think it is related to knowing my audience in a way that I, I had no concept of I, I, in no way did I realize I could talk to people like I, I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying I have some crazy, you know, insight into their brain, but it's just stepping back and listening and getting out of my own way. Sure. And, and not thinking like, you should know this. Why don't you love what I'm telling you? Um, and it's, it's recognizing that, People don't know who you are. People want to solve their own problems and, you know, have a, have a great weekend and then come back and, you know, do you have like one specific thing that you changed about how you approach listening? Cause it's, I mean, it's really easy to say and it's easy to hear. Just listen, just pay attention. Um, and I know that for a fact, cause when Amy and I started teaching 3500, there was a tiny little section in the course called go do research on your audience. And as you know, and anyone who's taken the class knows that's now, the vast majority of the class oh, yeah. is that is the, is, is the research is the sales safari. So when you say, you know, listening to your audience and then there's also like a, there's a little bit more in there of understanding them. What's one specific thing that you do, a habit you've gotten into that's, that's allowed you to do that more effectively. I'll actually, um, it's, it's just came to mind. I didn't, I didn't really realize I did this, but I will actually retype a lot of, um, 
when I'm doing like doing research, doing Safari, I'll retype what people say. Uh huh. Um, and because you know, copying, pasting, it, it separates you from. Sure. It's, it's sure, just sure. more like a. I don't know. It's very transactional, right? So this is part of your note taking process. Yeah, yeah. I'll actually type what they say um, in a separate word editor, and it takes me longer, but it actually gets me in the habit of like thinking through when I'm typing it. Gotcha. And, and you're um, not just like you're not paraphrasing and typing. You're you're it could be a copy and paste for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah. Um but so it gets me used to writing like that. It gets me used to saying what they're saying. In the way and, that they say it as well. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's I really think that's cool. it. That's a that's a huge one. That's awesome. Um all right, I've got a couple more things on my list and then I wanna I wanna wrap things up and let you get back to enjoying the rest of your Sunday. No um has anything really blown you away and surprised you about yourself, about connecting with a customer, about making sales. If you'd pick like one thing that you're like, whoa, that, that totally threw me. I did not think that was going to happen. What, what would that thing be? Um, I mentioned a little bit of it earlier, but it was just people coming out and saying, thank you for doing this. Yeah. And I never expected that. I mean, I expected more of the, hey, you suck. This is stupid. And yeah, we get that too. But <laughs> um, I'm just kind of amazed how ready people are for, for some of this content or, or you know, the, these courses. I mean, even though there are tons of them out there, um, you know, it's, it's just I think it's because we've been able to, to really go after specific people. Yeah, and, um, and, really, and really be able to connect with them like you were just saying. Yeah, yeah. So that's one that comes to mind first. Um, I think too is I I, I see a lot of people. Um, well, I I, that's, that's, I don't want to go into that, but um, <laughs> now you almost have to. Right. I I like it. I like it when people who are teachers don't get jaded, and you know when it just. You can tell when it just becomes about the money. Yeah. You can tell when it just becomes about the machine. And a lot of people have really great machines set up. I mean, sure. it's it's impressive. Yeah. Um, but I was surprised that you know we we don't really have that feeling at all. It's more of just like how can we help this dude or how can we help this group of people? And and I'm I'm not trying to sound like I'm a altruistic, you know, or, or whatever, or, you know, Robin Hood or something. But, uh, I mean, you got to make money to stay doing this. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, like I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's a more of, um, an emotional experience than I thought it would be not so that, to sound too mushy. No, that's no, I mean, I can, I can sympathize with that. And I think a, a lot of folks that get into this and, and really connect, um, I mean, the things you were saying, getting feedback from folks that say, you know, it feels like you really understand me or you really help me or you help me reach a milestone that I never thought I could. Um, yeah, helping people is, uh, you know, being in the business of helping people is in like, it feels like a never ending well of good feelings. Yeah. Um, and that's, a, you know, even when things are tough when you're struggling, which I want to talk about in just a, just a moment. Um, I know that's one of the things that really, really keeps me going uh, is knowing that we what we do is genuinely helping people achieve their goals, do the things they want to do. 
and and at best we just get to sit back and and watch watch them succeed, which is really cool. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, you know, before before I knew you two uh, and everyone that we went through the the course with. Um, you know, it it felt like a lonely island. Like I was just looking through the, the the telescope at people on these awesome ships who'd figured it out. You know, and and I'm like, I'm smart. You know, I can figure this stuff out, but I haven't. I'm missing something. And you know, you guys helped us help me see that, which is really great. What do you think that missing thing was? There's a lot of them. Um, I think it's one not being afraid to get out there after. Um, but but the the key ingredient is changing the perspective from I can figure out how to shove this down your throat versus all I'm doing is telling you what you've already said in a way that uh, exudes a confidence and a value that you know I'm I'm going to be able to solve that problem for you totally in a way totally yeah um, so yeah I, and and just the mechanics of um how do I find where people are talking about things? How do I listen to that? How do I then build my own audience, get out of the treadmill of the building likes or followers or whatever, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. focus on the things that are unsexy and it'll pay off. That's great. What's one thing in this process that you've been learning that you think you struggle the most with? Uh, I mentioned one of them consistency. It's, you know, um, sometimes this stuff takes a lot out of me Yeah, and, and it's just like, all right, you know, deep breath, focus in on it, you know, just start writing or just, you know, get, get in the flow again, you know, it, it, and it should be, uh, you know, for me, I think I should be doing e-bombs a lot more often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's one of my goals. So it, the the thing in the way is that like a time and an energy thing. Is it a yeah. a process? Yeah. Okay. So it's just it's making sure you've got that carved out or figuring yeah. out a way to do it in a way that it uh, takes less time, less energy, um, exactly. as well without sacrificing the quality. Like I said, the e bombs that you post are are consistently epic, and uh, and so like so I to- I totally get it. Um, and you don't want to give that up. But is there a way that you can sort of meet in the middle? Um, Right. Anything else that come to mind in terms of stuff that you're you're struggling with, want to get better with? Better. Um, well, it's 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 great, you know, um, that Chris and I have, have found some success this year, um, and it's trying to then expand um, not our ambition. We we know we have ambition, but it's more like how do we how do we grow our footprint in a way that's sustainable and manageable, and how do we think consistently on that new plane we're at now gotcha and you know we've been we've been blessed and we're lucky and um you know i'm not complaining at all about that uh but it's just a matter of like how 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 am i smarter with this list how can i get 10 20 50 thousand subscribers um you know setting those goals to be to be big and manageable um so and it's and it's funny because Every day we'll we'll have a, a a flurry of emails to respond to or or this and that and it's like okay this is you know a lot of time consuming operational stuff it's still on the side um, 
you know, it's struggling to, to just step back a, a little bit, maybe once a week and just be like, okay, where's this going? Cool. Right? Yeah. Making, making so. sure the, the big picture stays in, yeah. in perspective. You don't lose it working on the grind. Um, yeah. and, and I think that leads me to sort of the, the closing question that I've got, which is how has over the last year, you and Chris getting these products out for sale, um, how has it impacted your life and your work? And you've, I think you've touched on some aspects of it. Um, but you know, what, how is this really, really making an impact on, on your life personally, professionally, what is having products for sale let you do? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think it's, it's, uh, one step closer to the, um, I think the ultimate goal is just freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, we, that's one of my goals. Like if I, if I want to go with my girlfriend to, to Oktoberfest and it's, you know, a, a week away, well, let's go. Right. You know, I, I, I don't think, I don't think that we should, we should, we were meant to spend nine hours a day in the, in a dingy office, you know, in 12 by 12 foot, you know, area every day. I mean, we're meant, we're meant to be out there and, um, grow, expanding our minds and, and having experiences and meeting people and, and, you know, that's, that's one thing I want to do more of, or just sit down and read one of the thousand books I have that I haven't read yet. You know, <laughs> I, it's, I think, I think it's getting closer to that. That's a really, huh. really great answer. And, and one that I, I connect with uh, quite a bit. Um, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for, for hanging out and taking again, an hour out of your Sunday to, to catch up. Absolutely, man. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Take it easy. Thanks, Alex. All right. Cheers. I just love catching up with our alumni. It's just the best in the world. Now, I hope you got to enjoy listening to this interview as much as I enjoyed catching up with Scott. You can find out more about Scott and his products and everything else he's up to by going to scottherf.com. That's S-C-O-T-T. H-U-R-F-F, two Fs. Uh, both the scottherf.com and on Twitter, twitter.com slash scottherf. Uh, now I've done other interviews like this one before, and if you haven't already listened to them, you should probably start by checking out my conversation with Pat Maddox, another alumni who's had a really uh, great success recently. You can go to unicornfree.com and search for Pat Maddox, his last name is M-A-D-D-O-X, uh, to find that interview. Now, I'll be back real soon with more conversations like these with other alumni, and I'll let you know when those are live. You can go to unicornfree.com slash list uh, and drop your email in the box, and we'll send you those via email right when they're live. Uh, Looking forward to being able to share more of these soon. Thanks, and have a great week. 